morning, Deer Creek Church. For those that don't know me, my name is Brett Weston. I'm the pastor of the church that Dwayne just talked about, Elevate Hope Centennial. It's always good to be back with you here at Deer Creek. I loved pastoring here until they pushed me out. Uh, no, for a good reason. And I am super excited to serve as mother and daughter churches. And so what that means usually is that Elevate Hope will come up with a great new strategy uh, for reaching our city. And then Tim Rehnquist will just kind of jump on that and steal that for Deer Creek. Um, so it's great. It's a great relationship. No, uh, the opposite is actually true. This church has been such a blessing to us that I couldn't even list all of the ways. Uh, but one thing that Tim did say to me when we chose the name Elevate Hope Centennial, we were in Dwayne's office. We were talking about the name. And uh, I think it was Tim said this. He said, if you name it that, if you name it Elevate Hope Centennial, then you're going to have to talk a lot about hope. And so I want to talk about hope this morning. And believe it or not, today is the first Sunday of Advent, launching into the season leading up to Christmas. And the theme of the first Sunday of Advent is traditionally hope. So how do we have hope in extraordinary times, or should I say extraordinarily difficult times? In the midst of shutdowns and financial hardships, isolation from family and friends, or at least you should be isolated from family and friends, especially during the holidays. How do we have hope, hope amid amounting responsibilities of having kids at home and teaching kids and all that comes with that? And sometimes it can seem that, that, that 2020, that in 2020, hope itself is being threatened. And maybe your challenge to hope this season doesn't come from the pandemic. Maybe it's from a fractured relationship or a recent divorce or life choices of, of an adult child. Maybe for you, it's health issues of you or a loved one or financial stress. That ever-growing to-do list that somehow shows up on the first Sunday of Advent every year. Maybe it's the passing of a loved one that every single holiday season reminds you of. Whatever it may be, only an extraordinary hope is going to suffice in extraordinarily difficult times. Am I right? Only a hope that's able to look, look outside of our circumstances, outside of our crises, outside of our challenges, to see that something greater is at work. Only that kind of extraordinary hope is going to get us through extraordinarily difficult times. And as I, I mentioned, we mentioned on the video, we named our new church Elevate Hope Centennial because even a year ago, before things got really crazy, what was striking to us as we looked into South Metro Denver was the striking need for hope. Hope in families, hope in schools, in the community. And then as Dwayne mentioned, the pandemic hit and we were open for only five months and we had to close our doors, our in-person doors for the next four months. So this morning, I'd like to share a little bit about hope from God's word and also to share some of what God's been doing through Elevate Hope Centennial. And so the goal this morning, as we get into God's word, is to really to see how extraordinary is the hope that we have in Christ, a hope that's perfect for extraordinarily difficult times. And also to see the incredibly ordinary means that God uses to spread that hope to our communities and to the world. 
So our passage this morning from God's Word is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. You can follow along in your Bibles if you'd like. Colossians is toward the middle of the New Testament, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible or new to it. If you don't have a Bible or don't trust yourself to play Clash of Clans or shop on Amazon, uh, the words will be up on the screen. And for our online family, uh, the words will be up on the screen as well. First, let me pray for understanding God's Word this morning. Father, we come to your word with humility. We may not always understand or like what it asks us to do, but we submit to it. We place ourselves under it. Would you illuminate it to our hearts and minds through your Holy Spirit that we would see Jesus and him only this morning. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so the Apostle Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, he's, he's actually in this passage checking in on a new church. A church started most likely by Epaphras, who was his prison mate for the gospel. So Paul's checking in on this new church. And this is what he says. We'll start in verse 3. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. It's a pretty ordinary passage of Scripture at first glance, but we notice some extraordinary truths about hope here. And so the first thing we see is that for those who follow Jesus, hope is a spring. Hope is the source of two things that we need most in extraordinarily difficult times. Faith in Christ Jesus and love for God's people. Love, of course, for all people, but it's interesting that he says here that Hope is a spring out of which flows faith in Christ Jesus and love for God's people. There's something about God's people loving each other on display for the world to see that inspires hope. And that inspires a further interest in Christ. On the, on the video, uh, I mentioned that, that uh, Dwayne mentioned that we worshipped outside for four months this summer and into the fall, we had some chilly days in there where I was preaching and looked out and people were huddling up and I said, okay, we need to move inside. But we did it for four months. It was great. And we meet in a public elementary school uh, that's right in the midst of a local community. And so after four months of being closed, the school said that we could start meeting again in person. So we chose to meet outside. And it's great to have church outside because we would notice as, as we're having church, so, so picture everybody's facing this way, I'm facing this way, and I start to notice people from the community starting to just hang out on the fringes. It was awesome. People walking their dogs, people taking walks, and they would just kind of stop. What is this? We had a teenage girl that would walk this huge dog uh, sometimes in the morning, and our worship leader, Rachel, would, would be warming up, and she would just stop. And she just listened. And then one time she sat, she, we, we'd invite her to come join us. She said, no, I don't want to join. I don't, I don't want to go to church. But she'd sit on a bench about where the sound booth is, uh, the whole church service, and just listen. It was awesome. People would just stop, sit on the grass, 
Say, what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're a church. You meet in a school? Yeah, we just want to be part of the community. A few of the families we have now regularly worshiping with us joined us by just wandering in and watching us interact, watching the people of God worship. One time as I was preaching, I noticed a woman come sit on one of the benches and she just kind of was hugging her knees the whole time. And, and um, afterwards, I announced that, that we have a prayer team up front and she rushed up and, and got prayed for by uh, Stephen Gross, if you know Stephen and Holly. Asked for prayer. She said, yeah, I'm just visiting from out of town. She said, my, my kids live right over there. They're not Christians. And she said, I asked them, I said, can I please go to church this Sunday? And they said, I'm sorry, we can't take you. Um, you're just going to have to not go. And so she was sad and started praying. She just took a walk. And then she sees this church. She's like, oh, there's a church meeting right here. And so she worshiped with us uh, and invited her kids to say, hey, if you ever want to go, there's a church right behind your backyard meeting. See, most of the year, our worship services are not on display for the public to see, but our lives are. And so, but scripture says hope is that spring out of which flows your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for each other, for God's people. See, hope is vital because our passage says it's the headwaters of faith, the headwaters of love. And so if that source of hope runs dry, faith and love are going to run dry. And haven't we seen that in our culture as love has been redefined or changed or turned to hate or running dry, hard to be found. And scripture would say, well, that's because hope has run dry, the source of those things. And so if we're to have faith that, that Jesus is working in extraordinarily difficult times, we need a source for that faith. If we're going to love others in extraordinarily difficult times, like the holidays, right, we're going to need a source for that hope, for that love. Scripture says the source of those things is hope, but not just any hope. And I love this because it's so easy to miss. And so listen to this. Paul writes, starting in verse 4, he says, We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So hope is the spring of our faith and our love for others. But where do we find that hope? Scripture tells us the hope that we have is stored up for you in heaven. And why is this so extraordinary? Why is this going to help us get through extraordinarily difficult times? When well, the author of this passage, Paul, writes about hope in the New Testament, sometimes he, he talks about it as just a future attitude, that, that, that God is going to win, that things are going to work out, that, that, that there's this future hope that we have if we've put our faith in Christ. But here, Paul uses hope objectively. He says this is a current reality. It's going on right now. And first, he says that hope is stored up. Hope is stockpiled. It's being preserved for those who are in Christ. And what that means is that the hope that the Christian leans on can never be depleted. And if anyone joining us on live stream, if anyone here in person, if anyone is not in Christ this morning, 
In these difficult times, the only hope that is available apart from God will be from sources that eventually will be depleted or will let you down. Paul says that's not so with Christian hope. He says hope is stored up. And then our passage tells us that this undepletable source of hope is stored up, preserved in heaven. And then he says it's for you. And the church he was talking about was filled with people just like us. And he says, your source of hope is not just stored up, it's for you. It's not just for those who are optimists, not just for those who give the most or have their act together or perfect parents or the wisest of the wise. He says, if you're a humble sinner who has put your faith in Jesus as the only source of hope, there is a storehouse of hope from God available for you to be leaned on and used by you in extraordinarily difficult times, Scripture says. And next is what I think is the best part. He says, hope is stored up for you. And then he says, in heaven. So how many times do I try to look for things down here that give me hope when hope is really stored up there? undepletable, stored for you, preserved up in heaven. So I look for things down here that try to give me hope, but really no hope is to be found, Scripture says, in heaven. My wife and I have six kids. Some of you know them. Uh, And once the kids started to pile up on us, uh, I became a morning person. And maybe some of you uh, have done the same. And so I try to get up while it's still dark to pray or work on a sermon or just play Mario Kart on my phone undisturbed. (laughs) But our two youngest, Chloe and Paisley Joy, they're awesome. Uh, They've become early risers too. And if you have little kids, you know how this goes. It becomes a war, an all-out competition. So I used to get up at 6. Now they get up at 6, so I get up at 5. Now they get up at 5. Now, so I get up at 4.30. And on and on it goes, right? And so the chair that I like to sit in by the window is directly under the little girl's room. You know where this is going. And so I'm sitting there in, in passionate, meaningful prayer and worship. And all of a sudden, it's like that coffee scene from Jurassic Park, you know, where it's like, little rings. And all of a sudden, it sounds like fireworks and road construction and dinosaurs. And it's like, it's just shaking. And so a couple weeks ago, this was happening. I just put down my coffee, told the Lord to hang on for a minute. And I rushed upstairs, burst in the girl's room. And I blurted out, I said, girls, don't you know that what happens up here affects everything about life down there? And that's true. How can we have hope down here in extraordinarily difficult times? Well, the answer is because it comes from up there. And what happens up there affects everything about life down here. And so if the spring of hope that we draw from when we struggle is stored up somewhere other than here, then that means there's nothing down here that can take our hope away. Because it's not down here. It's not stored here. 
So bad financial markets can't take it away. Earthly crises can't take it away. Not death, not loss, not being overwhelmed by life, not bad choices. The hope that Jesus offers our world is extraordinary because it's stored away in heaven for you who are in Christ. And by his grace, we have access to this extraordinary hope. So what are we to do with this extraordinary hope that we have? Well, we live it out. We lean on it. Use it. Pray that God would help you understand it and draw on it and know that you cannot lose it if you're in Christ. But our passage also says this. It also says spread it around. And so the final thing that strikes us from our passage this morning is the incredibly ordinary way that this extraordinary hope is spread. And so our passage says in in verse 4, it says, We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So this hope they have stored up for them in heaven came to them through the message of the gospel. And the gospel is simply the good news that Jesus has made a way for us through his death and resurrection to gain access to that hope right now for eternity by faith. And so Paul continues, he says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. So he says, not only is this hope for you to lean on, but he says, this hope is spreading. It's spreading right where you are and it's spreading where you're not. It's spreading through the world, through the gospel. How? Verse seven, he says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. So I love this, this extraordinary hope that Paul just said that we have. How is it spreading? It spreads through some guy named Epaphras telling someone about what Jesus has done. That's it. And so enough people hear about it and respond and a little church is planted. And Paul's now coming to visit that church to strengthen it. See, hope is spread through ordinary people and ordinary churches sharing an extraordinary message in ordinary ways. That's why we plant churches. We plant churches made up of ordinary people who have faith in an extraordinary God of hope. People like Chad and Bonnie Lorenzen, if you know Chad and Bonnie. Chad and Bonnie live a block away from Deer Creek Church. How convenient is that? No excuse to be late to church, right? But for five months, they drove out to Centennial, Colorado. They helped us start Elevate Hope Centennial by shaping and taking leadership of our kids' ministry. Bonnie's fingerprints are still all over Elevate Hope Kids. And since we meet in a school, we never know what our space is going to be used for each Sunday. And so, so Bonnie already has this task of, of you know, teaching our kids the gospel. And, and, and one Sunday... Uh, there, 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 sometimes there, there's Sundays where Bonnie would show up and there'd be like a scholastic book fair in our kids' space, the entire space. And the kids were not allowed to touch the books. All right, Bonnie, go. 
Last Christmas, the, the school announced right before Christmas, oh, by the way, there's going to be a traveling art gallery uh, filling up the entire school. And so Bonnie walks into the kids' space. There's a 10-foot painting of a cowboy and an inflatable jellyfish that somebody thought was art. And oh, by the way, Bonnie, the kids can't touch those. We had a life-size blue cow sculpture in our entryway. That was our greeter for the entire Christmas season. He worshiped with us. But Bonnie did it. Bonnie shared the gospel with our kids. She raised up volunteers. She just an ordinary family saying, yeah, I'm going to travel. I live a block away from my home church. And I'm going to travel and help spread the gospel to our kids. Hope spreads to ordinary people like Dave and Lynn Morgan from Deer Creek, if you know them, pouring in faithfully every Sunday to get our worshiping community off the ground. Scott and Karen Fast helping us launch, helping us figure out how to reach the community. People that were sent out from Deer Creek helped plant a church and are now back here. Ready to launch the next one, right, if you're here? There's people that physically did not go with Elevate Hope. Ordinary people who pray and give so that now people can hear the gospel. And most of our launch team from Deer Creek is still with us. The Matthews, the Taranjos, Grosses, others, if you know them. See, I have news for you, Deer Creek Church. You're a bunch of ordinary people. And Deer Creek is just an ordinary church. And through you, the extraordinary gospel of hope is going out to places that it wasn't before. How does extraordinary hope spread? By ordinary, faithful people with an extraordinary source of hope laid up for them in heaven, being sent out in ordinary ways whether it be planting a church or praying or living out your vocation Monday through Saturday to show and share the love of Jesus. See, our passage this morning from Scripture is simply Epaphras reporting back to the church that sent him all that God is doing through the church that they helped start. So that's how we're going to continue to have hope for ourselves during these crazy, messed up, wearying, discouraging times of 2020. And this is the way that we're going to connect Metro Denver with the source of real and lasting hope, out of which can flow faith in Christ and love. Ordinary people planting ordinary churches, sharing an extraordinary hope. Our first Sunday as a church, a woman named Elizabeth came with her three kids. And so after worship, I talked with her. I asked, hey, how did you find us? And I heard her story. She was a single mom going through a divorce. She just moved to the area. And our launch Sunday would have been her wedding anniversary. And she couldn't juggle the kids and, and try to find work and pay rent. And she needed a school that was close by to her kids. She needed a job that was close by. And she needed a church that was close by in order to make her life work. Elizabeth was a brand new Christian. And it was fun to see her fiery new faith. And all she knew to do as a new Christian, she just looked at her situation and, and she was driving down the road and she just prayed, God, give me some hope. I just need hope. 
And at that very moment, she was driving by Homestead Elementary School, which is where we meet. And they always have a sign out there. And it's not usually those dumb sayings. You know, they have actually pretty good ones. But on the, someone in the elementary school uh, committee had put this. They said, H-O-P-E, hope, hold on, pain ends. So right as she, she prays, she sees this sign. She says, wow, okay. She gets home. There's a mailer waiting in her mailbox from a church called Elevate Hope. And that church meets at Homestead Elementary School where she saw the sign in answer to her prayer. And so she enrolled her kids in, in Homestead Elementary. She showed up at Elevate Hope Centennial on her first Sunday. And over a year, we watched Elizabeth grow in her relationship with God. She joined Christianity Explored. She joined a connect group. It was awesome to watch her grow. And so Elizabeth moved to Wisconsin a few weeks ago, stepping out in faith once again. And before she left, she sent this note to Elevate Hope. And I'll see if I can get through it. But she said, I believe my kids going to Homestead Elementary had way more to do with your church than the school itself. God made a way when there was no way then, and I know he'll do it again. Elevate Hope has been the only family I've had for the last year, and I'm going to need that there too. You're the only ones that reached out and made sure I was okay and not alone for the holidays and during the pandemic. I'm so grateful. Thank you for walking in faith and planting your church. It helped me take that first step of getting into small groups and introduced me to fellowship. It's helped change my life. I'm forever grateful. Elizabeth. See, God shares the extraordinary hope of Jesus through ordinary churches filled with ordinary people like you and me, connecting others like Elizabeth to the extraordinary hope that we found. So Christians, my prayer this morning is that in these crazy, difficult, and stressful times that God would remind you daily, moment by moment, that there's an inexhaustible hope stored up for you in heaven that nothing can take away. And if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, if you're undecided about that, there's no better place to be at Elevate Hope. We always say that you can belong before you believe. We're glad you're here. My prayer for you would be a little bit different. My prayer for you would be that God would connect you to the only source of hope beyond just this life, that he would connect you to the good news of his grace through the gospel and that you would respond to that. And here's the thing, if Elevate Hope or Deer Creek have to close our doors temporarily again in the weeks to come, hope will still be at work because hope doesn't come from Elevate Hope Centennial. Hope doesn't come from Deer Creek Church. Hope is stored away for us in heaven and we will simply continue to proclaim that hope wherever God scatters us until he returns. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Christmas season where we're reminded of, in some ways, what's an extraordinary event. And in some ways, it's very ordinary. And I thank you that we don't have to drum up some sort of hope in these extraordinarily difficult times, but that we have a hope from you, from the grace and goodness of your gospel made possible by faith, stored up for us in heaven that nothing can take away. 
Father, would we lean on that? Would we share that? And if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't have that, would they turn to you by faith this morning? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.